When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, January 14th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air, again by calling 929-274-3437. This This week, it's a recap of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and the four highest scoring teams moving on for a shot at the Super Bowl. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? We don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics, especially in the National Football League, as tends to be the case when the National Football League is in session. This week in particular, the divisional round of the playoffs tends to put people into a tizzy as one of the best weekends in sports in general. And to some, it didn't disappoint To others who thought the away teams and the dogs in the gambling world were going to fly, Eagles fly, not the best look. At least the Eagles lost. They did cover. We'll get to all of that. Very exciting for several teams. We do have the top four most points per game offenses in the final two games, which I guess is something that you can be happy about if you're the National Football League. Should be an exciting time next week, but now we break down what was Divisional Weekend. What'd you think? Greetings, Big John. Uh, Great to be with you again. Folks, always a pleasure. The best way I would put it is a little slightly contrary to, to your description. It was a great weekend in the National Football Conference. The AFC games left a great deal. Uh, In in fact, you could turn you you could have left at halftime, uh, which was pretty much as I thought. Uh, I thought everybody was against Kansas City. Everybody was fearful of uh, the long Kansas City losing streak. I never thought for a second they were going to lose that game. And yes, they kind of pulled the oars in a little bit in the second half, but uh, Colts never got close. And as for today's first game, uh, you could have turned it off after the first quarter because, as I've told anyone and everyone, nobody goes into New England in the postseason other than my Baltimore Ravens and puts up any kind of fight. Now, I know the Jets did win there once, but for the most part, uh, when New England has time to prepare, uh, they throttle anybody who comes in, and they did it again today, undefeated at home, I think they've trailed at home this year for a total of about a minute, three and five on the road. 
So that game was never in doubt. The Kansas City Colt game was never in doubt. The two NFC games were hard fought. Uh, Dallas battled back. They did a terrific job hanging in, even though they were dominated on the ground. Really surprised me the way that game went. Uh, the team I thought that would be effective and dominated on the ground was the wrong team. I thought Dallas had to go there and run the ball and be successful. The Rams completely shut down the run and ran the ball right down Dallas's throat. Very impressive. And now they go to New Orleans. And you know what, what can you say about the Eagles? They, I have great respect for teams that defend with valor. They did that today. They came out and took a 14-0 lead. And this game flipped on a fourth and one fake punt when Doug Peterson could have put New Orleans back in third and 11. They stopped him on third and one. There was holding penalty. He took the play because they stopped him, which I thought was the right decision. And then they line up to punt. And they've got their all-purpose kid in there. And as soon as I saw number seven is the blocking back, just like when I saw Justin Fields right, on the field for Georgia right, in the SEC title game, I'm thinking fake punt, fake punt. I mean, Philadelphia's got to call a timeout there. They must call a timeout, get their defense reset, and dollars to donuts. Sean Payton takes the play off and punts it. Instead, they convert on the fourth and one with the fake punt and totally different game after that. Totally different game and give the Philly defense credit. They played their hearts out. They had to be gassed because after those first couple of touchdowns, the Philly offense was totally ineffective. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Some, I guess, miscommunication between St. Nick and his receivers. Uh, receivers not looking for the ball. A couple different situations and still they hung around miss field goal put a could have put the game away at johnny right there at six in the miss field goal didn't you think the eagles were going to go down the field and, and at least take a one point lead it wouldn't have surprised me in the least it wouldn't have surprised me in the least and i know a lot of people at that moment weren't thinking that because they were going we're not going to win the cover now because we took the saints minus eight and they're probably not going to score again unless there's some miracle turnover where they run it back or a miracle break where they decide to score a touchdown which almost happened with kamara a little bit while later but he was tackled and such was the end of the game it wouldn't have surprised me at all and that goes to show you what nick Foles has meant to this eagles team and some of the magic that he's had in the postseason where you're able to think something like that because on paper 14 points from the Philadelphia Eagles with your backup quarterback that happens to be Nick Foles is almost what you'd expect two touchdowns good for him nice ride it's a shame we move on but that's not what we've expected from Nick Foles he can go out and win football games and as you mentioned this Eagles defense did what it needed to do holding to the Saints to 20 points, holding the Saints within check to not run up the score like they normally do and get to that 35-plus point range as they have as an offense multiple times throughout the season. They kept the offense in the game. They gave Nick Foles a chance. And unfortunately for Alshon Jeffrey, he gets the blame in a sense for having that ball go through his hands and get intercepted. It's an unfortunate way to lose the game. It's 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 very unfortunate for them because we don't expect that to happen now with the Eagles from what we've been able to see and especially last year with them. And I'm such a big fan of Elshon Jeffrey. He makes so many big catches for them. He is a great 50-50 ball guy. He was like his second or third drop the entire season. Could not have been a better throw. But 
I do not understand. And I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do. We have no idea what would have happened. But again, in that situation, it was second and relatively long. The clock was running down to the two-minute warning. I do not understand why they ran the play before the two-minute warning. Even if he catches that ball, he's probably going to be tackled. It's going to be third in a couple. Uh, and you're going to be at the two-minute warning. Because I firmly believe that their plan there had to be not only – obviously, you have to score a touch, of course. But you have to try and score a touchdown in conjunction with running clock. The Saints, I believe, had one timeout left. So I'm running that down two minutes, and I'm running my second down play as the first play inside the two-minute warning. And hopefully I'm getting myself a first down and continuing to eat clock, you know, three plays to get seven yards, and continue to eat clock make the Saints at some point in time, spend that last time out. And my goal is to score a touchdown with as little time remaining as humanly possible. And I was very surprised that they ran that play before the two-minute warning versus after. Would it have made a difference? Uh, Obviously, no idea. Uh, If he catches that ball, we don't know that they would have scored a touchdown. We have no idea. But I just did not understand why they ran the play before the two-minute warning. And as a fan of the Denver Broncos as somebody that grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania for the Eagles to lose for me is, ah, that's a shame. That's a shame. And especially to lose it in the fashion of, Oh, we had it. And that one play ended our season. I'm sure saints fans can really sympathize with you for having something go immensely wrong near the end of a game and have your playoff lives ruined. I'm sure they don't know anything about that from last year's miracle in Minnesota. I think they'll be able to sleep well as as well. But on paper, what the Eagles were able to do to at least stay in this game is definitely something that that's going to be a high point for their season. You have to look at their season as a success. Once again, having a quarterback go down, having to scramble, having to put in new plays and new schemes while signing guys in Golden Tate and having injuries to the defense, they had to overcome a lot this season. So you can't take anything away from what they were able to do up until this point. As I said, that's a shame. But (laughs) everything else said, it was a great run for them. For the Saints, this is what we expected from them. This is one of the teams, and all the teams remaining, really, we've talked about on this show throughout the football season that we thought were one of the best in the National Football League. It's no shock that they're where they are now and that they have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. I will say as well, you mentioned number seven. We're getting to the point now where being cute and throwing some tricks out is always something that Sean Payton loves to do. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But don't get too cute when it comes to putting Drew Brees on the sidelines, having somebody else throw the ball downfield and try to make plays. It's nice to be gimmicky, but that could come back and bite you against the better teams moving forward. He got away. He got away with it today. And, you know, number one, uh, they are undefeated uh, in the postseason in their building, not the franchise, but this combo, uh, Peyton and Brees. And that's a huge edge for them. As a fan, I despise that building. I, 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 after the hurricane, 
They should have just blown the, when, when the, they got the people out of there. Uh, they should have just blown the thing up. I cannot stand the Superdome. I hate it. It's one of the reasons I have trouble rooting for the Saints. I can't stand them in those black uniforms. I can't stand that that, that crowd in the dome driving other teams nuts because it's in the dome. And they're, they're simply a far superior team inside than they are outside. Um, and that they get this game in their own building, inside. And I think the Rams, which we'll get to in a minute, have got to do the same thing to them as they did to the Cowboys. But let's go back to the Eagles for a second. Do you think we have seen the last of Nick Foles in a Philadelphia Eagle uniform? I think so. I think the number that they would have to match is too much for what they should still deem as their backup quarterback. I think that while their offense looks different with Nick Foles as its quarterback, while it might work better with Nick Foles at its quarterback, you could even argue that, I think Carson Wentz as a quarterback, however, is better than Nick Foles, and I think that they're going to have to have faith in him moving forward and unfortunately, there's going to be several suitors that I think are going to come calling for Nick Foles. And he's not somebody that you can spend $20 million on to keep on the roster. That's that's just not a wise decision. So while he's meant the world to Philly, while he'll never have to buy a drink or a cheesesteak in Philly again from what he's been able to do for that team, I don't see any feasible way that that they can move forward with both of those quarterbacks, and I don't think it would be wise to pick him over Carson Wentz, unfortunately. I, I just well, uh, don't I, think we've I seen enough think, to make that happen. I don't think there's any possibility of that. Uh, I think Wentz will be their starting quarterback. But do you see a scenario where he comes back as the backup again? I think they would love that to happen. I think there's a chance if he moves to another team and becomes the starter, if he goes to, say, Jacksonville and they throw him into the starting role, I I don't see him being successful on another team that's not the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they struck gold with the situation, with the team. I should say he did as well. Being able to come in and know the offense and know what's expected and have a chemistry built already, I think it was just the perfect storm for Nick Foles and everything that he's been able to do with them. Another team, another coach, another scheme, I don't see it working. I think it reverts back to the, like we saw in the beginning of the season, like, oh, no, this is Nick Foles, but teams are going to be prepared for him now. It's not throw him into the postseason while everybody's expecting Carson Wentz, and all of a sudden, what do we do against this offense? It completely changed things for a lot of defense. So that would be a great story. And it would be unfortunate in a sense that it could come as, well, he couldn't make it as a starting quarterback because, in a way, you're rooting for him for that to happen, where he does have to come back eventually after that contract runs out. But they would welcome him easily with open arms, and we'd, we'd have some fun discussing if the starting now, quarterback struggles. Well, hey, we got a guy we my, could bring in. Refresh my recollection on exactly what his contract status is. And for those people out there, Free agent, restricted free agent. Uh, are there certain rights in there that kick in? Uh, buyouts, etc. Well, if people people are expecting me to break down contracts and money and salaries, unfortunately, they're at the wrong show. But I think the number that was getting thrown around was something around they would have to pay him twenty million dollars to keep him on the team. I think. 
I think that's what I heard on one of the programs that was mentioning what was going to happen with the money. I can check that while we're doing throughout the show. But I want to say it was something like next year he'd have to get $20 million, something where the number was way too much for them to be able to hold on to him. Because there are three teams out there in my mind that are teams that arguably, based upon their personnel, uh, could compete for the postseason uh, based upon where they've been. And there are two quarterbacks out there uh, with postseason experience. One uh, happens to be for my team, and these also happen to be two Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, also Super Bowl MVP-winning quarterbacks. Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Washington, Jacksonville. And I guess you could argue somewhat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, All his potential landing spots for either one of these players. And I could certainly see uh, either one of them in any one of those spots because those teams are all seriously lacking at that position with the loss of Alex Smith. There is no one in sight in Washington. We know there is serious issues in Jacksonville. uh, And we may have seen Blake Bortles play his last game there. And how many in Miami uh, buy into, you know, their first round draft pick of a few years ago uh, to continue on as the starting quarterback there after another season in which they did not make the postseason. So they have a mutual contract option for the 2019 season that will pay Foles $20 million. So that's where that $20 million came in. And it seems like they won't have the luxury of being able to afford that. They could pick up that option and attempt to trade him, but Foles could also decline the option himself, which would require him to pay back a $2 million signing bonus from 2018. So if he agrees to the option, Philly would have until March 18th to get a trade done before his cap hit for 2019 becomes fully guaranteed. So teams essentially would have to give up assets and Foles can just basically give $2 million to hit the open market anyway. So I think it just seems very unlikely to make a long story short. Yeah, it's just too much of a cap. Even even though they've got the kid, an incredibly affordable scenario, uh, they do have other issues that they've got to deal with in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of you know, contracts, et cetera. So are you ready to spend you know, $20 million for one year on Nick Foles? Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to say no because they've done such a wonderful job uh, personnel-wise of having all their ducks in a row uh, and signing their players and making additions. I mean, they, they went out and made additions this year in the offseason. They, they were not idle uh, in you know, attempting to defend. Uh, and they had to do a lot of injuries. Obviously, this is their number one quarterback being at the top of the heap. But they managed to uh, to catch fire down the stretch and pull the rabbit out of the hat, thanks in, in great part to uh, the, the choking Minnesota Vikings and their $84 million gag job of a quarterback. But you, you it, it, it is one of the most intriguing 
off-season scenarios that we are ever going to see. You know, this guy has taken them on a magic carpet ride, you know, really twice in a row now. I mean, this was a tremendous job down the stretch, you know, to get them into the postseason and then, you know, win last week in Chicago and damn near pull off, uh, you know, an upset against the number one seed in their building. And then, you know, they fall short on, unfortunately, the famed Vern Lundquist line. Uh, you know, he has to be the sickest man in America. And uh, for a guy who, like I said, I have just raved about the fact that Alshon Jeffrey never drops a ball and is great in the red zone and is such a great player on the 50-50 ball. So he has one, again, not just a drop, but it goes through his hands, the fame deflected pass and up in the air. And uh, the defending champs are no more. And it was surprising in a way, too, that the Saints were in that predicament where they could have allowed the Eagles to make that comeback, to pull ahead by one, and then hopefully for them, be able to give the ball to Drew Brees and maybe pull out a miracle and get a field goal or a go-ahead touchdown, whatever the case may be, to win that game. It was surprising that it was that close. So the road to the Super Bowl does, in fact, go through, unfortunately, New Orleans. So before we get to the NFC title game, uh, and the NFC title game. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Let's finish off today and give me what thoughts, if any, on the debacle. Uh, in New England, where Philip Rivers now goes to 0 8 lifetime against Tom Brady. If everyone listening can picture maybe a 1920s black and white film where a villain with a curled mustache has just tied a damsel in distress to the train tracks and you can tell he's maniacally laughing, but you can't quite hear the laughter, just pretend you can hear that laughter for this next two minutes or so because coming into this game, I was perplexed why the narrative had suddenly switched so far in the favor of Philip rivers and so far in the disfavor of Tom Brady and the new England Patriots. I understand what Phil rivers was able to do with the chargers this season. And he was fantastic. The offense looked the best. We've seen it in a very long time. Field goals were finally made at the right times. He was not throwing late fourth quarter interceptions, frankly, because the team was ahead for many of the fourth quarters they found themselves in, and he didn't need to be in that predicament. Tom Brady, on the other hand, a poor showing of a regular season, not his best. The team, some injuries, is Gronk going to retire? Where are the receivers? Josh Gordon's gone. What's going to happen? Is this the end? We've heard this story so many years and so many times. The end of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I don't know why this happened again. I don't know why people have yet to realize that you just don't make these assumptions because they've been proven wrong over and over again. What makes you think that's going to change this year? Phil Rivers, 0-7 against Tom Brady. And I put this out on Twitter just to remind myself 
what Phil Rivers has done as a quarterback. Because in my mind, he's a 9-7 and seven type guy who's going to get you into the postseason, but you're not going to be able to get over the hump. Something's going to go wrong. And it was even worse than I thought it was going to be, at least more recently. Because when he first started in the league, 14 and 2, 11 and 5, 8 and 8, 13 and 3, four straight years in the playoffs, divisional round losses three times, a conference championship loss to the Patriots. Okay, you could swallow that. Then we move upward. 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 7 and 9, two 9 and 7 seasons, three, I'm sorry, four years ago, 4 and 12. Three years ago, 5 and 11. 9 and 7 again before this season. The last time they made the postseason was one of those nine and sevens back to back. Another loss to the Broncos. Sure, Peyton Manning was in town, but you get what I'm talking about. He's been a nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, okay guy. But why all of a sudden this season was going to be the year he slays Tom Brady? I did not understand that narrative. And you blinked, and the game was over. As you mentioned, it was a halftime change the channel. The Patriots couldn't be stopped on offense. Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady has always looked in the postseason. Phillip Rivers needed to match him punch for punch and didn't even come close to doing so until the fourth quarter when the game was already out of hand. It was how you could almost expect it to go just because everyone was so in favor of the other way that it didn't go. So it didn't necessarily surprise me at all. I don't think it should have surprised a lot of people, though they, the Chargers were the team this week. Oh, the four points. Can you imagine? They should be winning outright. They'll be fine, even though it's in New England. I didn't understand the narrative coming into this game, and it didn't surprise me one bit that it went the way it did. I, I, I was never, it, never a doubt in my mind that they would win this game and cover easily. Again, as you as you alluded to, why should anything be different? Well, because this isn't the thirteen and three Pats. Right? They don't they don't have home field all the way through. Well, they have home field today, and as long as they have home field, where they haven't lost this year, and where they've tra- trailed by a grand total of about a minute in the entire season, uh, I see no reason to believe that the Chargers are going to go in there and win. And again, extra week to prepare. And it always flabbergasts me when the guy who's got more passes than anybody else on a team spends the entire game with no one within 10 yards. of him. Every time you look up, lo and behold, there's Julian Edelman 15 yards down the field, and there's no one in the picture. How is that possible? Play after play after play. It's all scheme. Right? It's all, well, here's the defense they're playing. So if we clear out this area and run it behind, he should be wide open every time. Well, how about you? How, how about an NFL defense tries this one? And excuse me for being so naive. Excuse me for being so throwback. Excuse me for not being covered to deep zone roll. How about take my best cover guy in the defensive backfield and say, you cover him all over the field, all over the field. I want to see them win a game where Julian Edelman does not contribute. Can I see that happen once? Can we hold Julian Edelman to three catches and 25 yards and see if they win? How about we take a shot at that? Guess who the second all-time leading receiver in 
NFL postseason history is in terms of catches. Did your jaw drop when you saw that stat? Because mine did slightly. I cannot believe he's already at two. Of course, behind uh, one J. Folks, Rice. it's Julian Edelman. It's Julian Edelman who is granted well behind Jerry Rice, but only Jerry Rice has more postseason receptions than one Julian Edelman. And also in that mix, by the way, was the man he succeeded, Wes Welker. Shocking that the person that was the quarterback for this game once again contributed to both of those gentlemen being on that list. And and I I just, I'm at a loss to understand the pundits, to understand those who think they know this game so well, to ever, ever believe that the Patriots will go out and lay an egg with an extra week rest against an opponent at home. It simply does not happen. And this was just same old, same old to me. Uh, Again, I I didn't think it would be 35-7 at the half. (laughs) I did think it would be more respectable than that, but I thought they would win this game by double digits, a couple touchdowns. Um, and as, as we discussed earlier, it, it was time to do errands, uh, and get ready for the second game. And even coming and, in, the chargers didn't look great, but they had things going against them just with travel, another early game for them, another East coast, West coast, East coast travel, it's cold snow in Foxborough. I don't know what positives people were seeing where they were giving so much confidence to the chargers in this game. And Let's remember, they did nothing against the Ravens offensively last week. Again, twice against the Ravens, they were completely shut down. The Ravens shut them down totally last week. It was turnovers that got them in a position to score. They had a couple of drives uh, that resulted in field goals because the Raven defense was on the field virtually the entire game. uh, And they almost spit the bit in that game and gave it away. So I just didn't see that there was some tremendous performance uh, in their win that led me to believe, boy, this juggernaut's going to go in and take out uh, the Pats. And, you know, we've seen the last of Brady Belichick. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, folks, just to interject, uh, I, I can't help but watching the highlights of the most overrated player on the planet. One for 17. Let's make sure everybody hears this. James Harden, greatest offense. Player. One for 17, Coach Van Gundy. One for 17 from three. One for 17 from three tonight for James Harden, who never met a shot he doesn't like. Guy couldn't shine Jerry West shoes, so let's put that one away, please. Maybe we um, can sorry, get the GM. I, 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 I had to interject. We might be able to, to get interject. the GM on the show. He could tell us about how he's one of the, if not the best offensive player of all time. I'll shoot him a text a, for next week. Just, just, just a crock of crap, okay? A crock of crap. So back to where we were. Couldn't understand it. Couldn't figure it out. Didn't buy it. And for once, and it's rare, I have bragging rights on this one. Uh, I, I just absolutely didn't see it happening. Now let's go to yesterday. Uh, I also, despite their checkered past, uh, at, and that's putting it mildly, uh, in the postseason, uh, I never thought for a second that, like the rest of the world, that Kansas City was good was in trouble yesterday. Everybody loved the Colts. Kansas City, you know, it's going to rear its if it gets close, it's going to rear its head. Well, folks, never got close. Never got close. Another indoor team went outside and laid an egg. Laid 
and act. Remember, the Colts play eight games inside on their own field. They play on the road right, at Jacksonville. They play on the road inside right, uh, against the Texans, and they play on the road in Tennessee. So they face no poor weather in any of their division games or obviously any of their home games. And yesterday they went into some, not awful, but chilly conditions with a light snow falling. Oh, b- and before they- you get to that, though, on the field, I know you're not on the Twitter machine, but the night before and the day of, I was ready for at least a foot of snow on the field just based on the reports and it's coming down four to eight. I was thinking about that Bills game from last year where, I mean, that was actually snow. And then I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure they'll know how to handle it. They'll probably have something on the field. And at the time of the game, it's not going to be snowing enough for it to accumulate. You would have thought they were going to, to quote NFL films, literally play in the frozen tundra. And we get out there. It is snowing. It is cold. But the field was seemingly okay. It wasn't the last year's Bills game. Vinatieri wasn't kicking in the snow he had to in Oakland, though, <laughs> against Oakland. Maybe he wishes he did. He might have made a couple more field goals. There wasn't enough snow for him. But the field in general, as you're mentioning, was not as bad as it was led to us to believe that morning. Still played a little bit of a factor, but continue, as you said. It was cold. And the other aspect of it is that when I looked at this game with everybody picking the Colts, I looked at who the Colts played, and the Colts have played no one. They played absolutely no one. Their division was not that strong. Uh, Jacksonville had a hideous year. Tennessee, I know, was 500. All right, but they're 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 the most boring team on the planet. They have no offense. Uh, they're okay defensively, but and the other team in their division also went on a hot streak because they both played no one at the same exact time. And as a result, they wound up playing each other. Somebody had to lose. Houston played a hideous game. The Colts looked very good. And the game that stuck in my craw that I could not get rid of was Jacksonville six. A game we talked about uh, on our show the night of the day that it happened. Uh, Neither one of us could get over Jacksonville six Colts. Nothing outside. I might, I might add in Jacksonville, that game stuck with me and I just did not see them go. People made it sound like the Colts could match the chiefs blow for blow offensively. And I never thought that I don't think the Colts personnel is nearly as good as the chiefs on office. I love Andrew Luck. I think he's a tremendous, not so young quarterback uh, because he's not that young anymore. He's still relatively young. Uh, but early on, Kansas City deflected some passes, got some three and outs, got ahead early. And once Kansas City gets ahead, they are a hand. They're a handful. Period. But once they get ahead, boy, and those athletes are out there in space, and Andy Reid's rolling on the play calling as he was yesterday. Uh, that's another one that to me was over at halftime. Now again, they pulled the oars in a little bit in the second half, and. The hot shot young quarterback missed some throws yesterday. He had some guys out there and he made some bad throws. He ball came out a little funny sometimes. He missed some throws, made some bad decisions. Uh, but and they got a little sloppy with the football, 
which is the only way I thought that would be a close game. Uh, they recovered from their one fumble uh, and came right back with a takeaway, a sack and a strip sack. And that was all she wrote. And I thought they were clearly, look, remember, this was the best team in the AFC all year. Right. All year. Every one of their losses was a one possession game. First time. Never blown out. Never blown out. Never outclassed. Never out of the game. Losses at the gun. Losses in the last minute. You know, games given away by their defense. But they were not beaten soundly, beaten badly, beaten up, dominated by anyone. Right. And first time here we were, a snow game for Patrick Mahomes. How would he respond to this? He responds by a fun stat for those stat nerds out there. He's the first Big 12 quarterback to ever win a playoff game. So little loser trumpet for the other guys that unfortunately couldn't get that done out of the Big 12. One day we should compile that list. Some interesting names will probably come across. But it was going to be interesting to see how Patrick Mahomes would face this cold, would face the postseason, would face this Colts defense that was playing pretty well these past couple weeks. And we talked about Andrew Luck a little bit at length last week for being able to win the wild card round, get into the divisional game. And I think I brought it up that we were a little behind in a sense of catching up to maybe how great or very good Andrew Luck is as a quarterback because there's been so much downtime with his career where you almost forget what he's capable of. The injuries, the will he be able to come back, the not having an offensive line when he was first with the team. We really haven't gotten a good sense of the momentum he can bring or what he can have in store for the offense week after week, and it seemed like we had him slightly figured out enough to where you thought the Colts would have a chance in this football game against the Chiefs, another game where you blink and the game is out of hand. Let's get, and let's give the Chiefs defense some credit. They have been much maligned for right. obvious reasons and well-deserved. They played very well yesterday. They put a lot of pressure on Luck, not so much sacking him constantly, hands up, some big deflected balls early that resulted in three and outs. And when you go three and out against the Chiefs, the way they can score, you can find yourself down two and two three possessions quickly. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so the Colts felt they were never, I think, really in a position to be able to run the ball and get back in the game by running the ball. So the, it's like the running game was was almost vanquished. And Kansas City did a tremendous job taking T.Y. Hilton out of the game. He was not a factor when this game was in hand. Uh, although. That was for very long time either, but the point is they really took him out of play uh, for just about the entire game. So uh, I thought that was a great job by the Chiefs. And now you have an AFC matchup, which really mirrors this program in terms of the title, does it not? The new report and old report, a potential passing of the guard, a potential switch in the powerhouses of the AFC. It's probably the best matchup we can ask for. We went from having the two underdog AFC teams probably have the worst case scenario that they could hope for. And that's getting down by two touchdowns in the blink of an eye to offenses that you're going to have to keep up with and hope that you can get the one stop toward the end to give yourself a chance. That didn't happen in either case. Not surprising that that is the case. And now we have a narrative that you can somewhat believe in. Tom Brady having to go on the road in the postseason 
Indeed. There's a chance. You're telling me we have a chance. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Let's let's get him on the record now, since we just have two games to analyze uh, and talk about. The Patriots go into Kansas City. Supposedly, I know it's an early forecast, in what could be bitter cold. I'm hearing potentially it could be five, zero, below, whatever the case may be. Because remember, it is the second game, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Am I right on that? Is it going to be the second game? I believe so, but I'll double check that for us. Which means it will get a chance to be even colder. But the point is, uh, we have two high-flying quarterbacks, uh, two of only three quarterbacks to throw from 50-plus touchdowns in a season, who could be playing in absolute frigid conditions. Regardless of the conditions, uh, I'm going to say this is when, at least for this year, the torch does pass. I believe that Kansas City at home will be too much for the Pats. Too many weapons. Uh, I understand Belichick is a genius, and I'm sure he'll have some schemes. But uh, they did go in there and put up, uh, I believe it was 43-40 in New England. And I know the conditions won't be uh, as favorable as they were that night. And I don't expect 43-40, and I want to see 43-40. I'd like to see 28-24, you know, 27-21, 30-24. But the point is, I don't think either team will score 40 points. I don't want to see either team 40 points. She score score 40 points. And I think at the end of the day, Kansas City is going to the Super Bowl behind a versatile offense and a defense that will surprise you and cause a couple turnovers slash takeaways by putting pressure on Tom Brady, whether they're strip sacks, whether they're deflections and interceptions. And I think at the end of the day, Kansas City will stand tall and young Patrick Mahomes uh, will take Andy Reid to his second Super Bowl and will take the Kansas City Chiefs to their third Super Bowl in franchise history. They are indeed playing the second game, 640 Eastern time. It's closer to seven by the time they get all the pomp and circumstance out of the way. But yes, a little bit colder because of that. It's going to be exciting. And I think this is a matchup that if you're a fan of football, if you're a fan of the AFC, I mean, this this is what you wanted throughout this season, especially after we saw it happen once and how great of a matchup it indeed was. But this is what you hope for if you are the Chiefs or if you are a Patriot hater. Tom Brady on the road in the postseason. As a Denver Broncos fan, I can tell you how sweet of a taste that is when he has to travel for a football game because you have a chance. And there's been stuff that I think we needed to see from this Chiefs team, especially in the postseason, to maybe make this a little bit better or put our minds at ease if it comes to saying the Chiefs have a chance against the Patriots. The defense proved itself against Andrew Luck and did so early enough to where, as we mentioned, 
the game was pretty much out of hand. And while he made a little valiant effort of a comeback, that happens. Things change when a team is down and they're running hurry up offenses. The game is a little bit different than it was early on. They came out, punched him in the mouth, took the early lead. We saw that. We were wondering what was going to happen with the running game. After the Kareem Hunt situation, would they be able to respond, find somebody that can fill that void and make it what it once was? Damian Williams comes through in that aspect. Tyreek Hill's healthy. Other people are healthy. Travis Kelsey's still healthy. Sammy Watkins got a little swag back to him in the wide receiver core. Patrick Mahomes played well in the cold. As we mentioned, he had a couple slip-ups here and there, but that's going to be expected. There's a lot that I'm interested to see. I'm assuming there's going to be one or two flub-ups against the Patriots, maybe an interception at a bad spot, maybe a fumble at a bad spot. How that team responds to that, how that team responds to whatever Bill Belichick is going to throw their way, both offensively and defensively, as he often does. What is he going to want to take away from that offense? What are you going to do to combat what he has to take away? Maybe he'll take away Tyreek Hill, and you'll have to find somebody else to catch the football. Or have your running game work. Maybe he'll take the running game away. And he'll let Tyreek Hill beat you, but nobody else. It's going to be very interesting to see what that defensive Patriots act is. Because we've seen the act before, and Bill Belichick can find ways to really give you headaches on the offensive side. Will Andy Reid have another one of his, oh, Andy, playoff moments? Whether that's clock management or play calling, a flub at the worst time. Will that happen? Time will tell. I'm with you. <sighs> Again, it's so hard to pick against the Patriots in any aspect because they constantly pull I never, have any, I never have any trouble picking against them when they're on the road. That's what's giving me. That's what's giving me the most confidence because Arrowhead is going numbers, to be. The postseason crazy. numbers do not lie. The postseason numbers tell the story. Tom Brady and the Patriots are a different team outside of that stadium in the postseason, even in the regular season this year, three and five. So, again, obviously anything can happen. Guarantee of there, of course. I think Kansas City has been the best team in the AFC all year long. They're home. They're healthy. The Patriots are not a good road team. They're a tremendous franchise. But to me, this one's pretty simple. All roads lead to a Kansas City appearance in their third Super Bowl in franchise history. And this time at the behest, is it the right term, uh, of, the, uh, of the New England Patriots. I just love the way. Kansas City is playing. I love the play calling. As long as the, the, the only bugaboo for me is they get a little sloppy with the football. Hill gets a little sloppy with it on punt returns. Watkins doesn't secure it sometimes. You can't you can't cough it up two, three times and expect to win. You gotta right. you gotta play a relatively clean game. You're gonna have one. I can understand that. But three, four turnovers, that's how you can really find a way to lose this game. Uh, giving the pats a short, giving the pats a short field, costing yourself points on drives. Take care of the football, and Kansas City's going to Super Bowl. 
That's the AWP selection in the AFC. Chiefs it is. So we got a couple minutes left to head a little bit warmer conditions to New Orleans and see what this Rams-Saints game will bring forth. The Rams did what they needed to do to beat Dallas. I thought Dallas put themselves in a fantastic position by limiting the Rams to field goals for most of the game. They gave themselves an opportunity by doing that. They ended up getting another opportunity to take the game. Didn't happen for them. I mean, that result wasn't too surprising for me. I thought the Rams would be okay, and they did just enough to be okay with that win, and they're rewarded with having to play another high-flying offense in the NFC. And I was extremely surprised because that was the only underdog that I liked, not just to cover. I picked Dallas to win, and I thought they would win by running the football against the Rams, and to the Rams' credit, that game was just the opposite. The high-flying Ram offense ran the ball down Dallas's throat. Dallas could not stop them. Uh, C.J. Anderson is alive and well and living in the Coliseum, as both he and Todd Gurley, the most important player on the Ram offense, both rushed for over 100 yards, and Ezekiel Elliott got shut down. They completely handled that Dallas offensive line, uh, the big men in the middle, uh, the, the, the wonderful front of the Rams, the high-priced front of the Rams. Um, I, I believe, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, it was around 21 for 46 or 21 for 47, something like that for Elliott. He, he barely averaged over two yards of carry. Uh, and that is tough to do. And to to Dallas's credit, they stuck with it because I thought that's what they had to do. I thought they had to stick with the running game and find a way to make it work. It did not. And um, the Rams were efficient. Uh, again, as you said, Dallas stayed in the game by holding the field goals. And they got close, but they could not get that possession uh, with a chance uh, to tie the game. And to the Rams' credit, uh, they did a little bit different way. Not too much high flying, and now they go in and play a team that they lost to in a Donnie Brook earlier in the season, and hopefully again it won't be as high scoring a game. It'll be more of a reasonable game, and I think they need to take the same approach they took to the Cowboys. I I think they need to ram the ball down the Saints' throat and keep them off the field, um, and we shall see. Um, I I'm rooting very hard for the Rams. Very hard. And I'm hoping that this will be a Kansas City Ram Super Bowl. However, again, since the numbers don't lie, I would be, I'm not going to say a fool, but it, it's tough to go against history when a coach and a quarterback have not lost the playoff game in that building. It's not Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. However, they are, and it's not 2-0 and either. I believe it's 8-0. Uh, maybe it's 6-0. But regardless, it's enough of a litmus test. So as much as I don't want to, and I really don't want to, I- I'm, I'm going to pick the Saints and root very hard to be wrong. I will also take the Saints. I think the quarterback part of the game will be vital. I think the running game 
that's almost equal. Gurley and Kamara, uh, there's really not a ton different from them. C.J. Anderson, shout out to the Denver Super Bowl 50 run. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back from that. The Broncos, we always find a way to get the Broncos in there. Yeah, of course. He flashed back the tape a little bit to remind everybody of his help in getting us the Super Bowl 50 championship trophy. Mark Ingram and himself, a similar body type, similar running styles. The wide receivers core, hard to lean either way there, too, just because of the Rams losing Cooper Cup. I mean, there's guys on the Saints that you always forget are out there. They just turn to stars because of Drew Brees. So maybe you give them a little bit of an advantage. I think the offense is going to come down to the quarterback position, and I think having Drew Brees will be the advantage to that. I do agree with you. The Rams should and hopefully will run the football down the Saints' throats. I don't know if the Saints will be as lucky in doing so just because of that Rams front, so they're going to have to rely on Drew Brees' arm. That's a chance I'd be okay taking if you're Sean Payton. So I'm going to go with the Saints, and a Chiefs-Saints Super Bowl could be something perfect for what the doctor could order if you were putting this together at the start of the season, and especially after what we saw. But what we can say is we've been talking about offense. There were times during the season where these four teams, for whatever reason, staggered, and we weren't sure if they would rebound. But here we are with the four best offenses, the four best teams, and I think we're going to be in for some great games. Al, it's always a pleasure. Looking forward to next week's games. Looking forward to probably losing what I made this week on them. But we, we have gotten what we have wanted pretty much as football fans, and it should be an exciting weekend next week. Championship weekend coming up, folks. We look forward to talking to you all about it next Sunday night. Uh, until next time, for John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plants. Have a great week. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. 